0: Welcome back to Nerds RPG Fridaycast. I'm your host, Jason, and today I'm going to talk about some games I've played in the last week. Middle-earth role-playing second edition, also known as MERC. So this was the second session that Barry, over at the Shadow GM podcast... And Minion over at Confessions of We Tim and I played. I'm a player in this game. And it was it was fun. We did combat, which went really quickly. Three thugs tried to jump our two characters, and we took them down super fast. Um, Rob hit one with a arrow that went through his leg and did a bunch of damage, and he was still hemorrhaging, so it was squirting blood. So he was out of the fight. I put one to sleep, and then Rob just s- caught one in the head with a sword and took him out with one shot at him. And um, then I, my mage cauterized the wound to stop the bleeding on the guy that he put the arrow through the leg for, and we interrogated the other two. But combat went really fast, which is good. The biggest thing with Middle-Earth role-playing or role-master with combat is to have the tables, the charts handy. If you have the charts handy... Then it, it goes really quickly because you just roll the dice and look at the chart and it tells you what happened. Easy peasy. Um, yeah, it's an investigation game. It's going interesting. I did use magic to speed up a couple things in the investigation, but I think we would have figured excuse me, we would have figured everything out without the magic as well. So all in all, it's a fun session. If you want to hear more about this game, you can go over to Confessions of the We Timmer Spooshi Minions Podcast. And his Series 2, Episode 5 um episode it is a discussion of between he and I about this session. And I'll have a link in the show notes. So if you go to his podcast, you, you have like a 40-minute discussion where we just talk about the game. OSC. This game, game is run by Dave Aldridge, who used to do the Deeper Percentile podcast. And we've got the usual suspects in there, Ian, Edwin, um, Spencer, number, a uh, number of people, I think the only people that still have a current podcast on there right now was Edwin, or I'm sorry, um, Spencer, Free throw, Keep Off the Borderland, but anyway, so it was typical Gonzo, Dave Aldridge game, if you ever get a chance playing one of his games, you definitely should, you should seek out his Discord server and come over there and get in his OSC games, he does them twice a week, roughly, and, um, they're they're great. So we, I'm not going to go through blow by blow the session, but we did everything from deal with fighting halfling gangs who had monopolized the merchants in the city, and and basically they got all the suppliers in the city where they only sell you supplies in packs. You can't buy individual items anymore, and, and so they've locked down the su- the supply chains in the city, and 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 you know they're they're making money. It's kind of like a like a company town in an old mining town or something, and then. So we have the we have these opposing gangs of halflings and crooked merchants, and and then we went down and we went to the back to the fungal farm or the fungal caves where you had the priests that worship the mushrooms and we had a couple of characters try mushrooms and we, we had one character have a really bad trip, and um, then what else we have we have oh and another character successfully passed their, the mushroom test but what it did is turn them into a mushroom for two to eight days so they. Um, they were out for the rest of the game. They'll be out for a little while, I guess. And we came across some fire beetles. Um, we had to fight. We came, And then we also came across some alien type face huggers, you, you know, xenomorph type face huggers that we, we ended up dealing with. And actually, the session, they were in a pool. There was a healing pool, and we camped out around the healing pool and barricaded ourselves in. But then the face huggers started coming out of the pool. And we found out there were a bunch of eggs in the pool. So what we ended up doing was at the very end of the session was get down the hallway from the pool and we have a wand of fireballs and, and they shot a fireball at this pool and there's a big explosion in the room and then the session ended. So we have to wait until next week to find out what happened. <laughs> but yeah, if you can get in Dave's games, they're great. I'm playing a, a thief, human thief, um, Elmer, Elmbow, because he has a Elm, you know, longbow, and he has one hit point in his first level. So he, he's a sixth of the way to second level now after that, that adventure, so who knows? Maybe he'll survive. It'd be kind of cool if he does. But yeah, I highly recommend Dave's games. Great fun. OSR. More Shandy Andy. So, I got to play in Shandy Andy's OSR game, and fun as always, I really enjoy Shandy Andy's style. He's running a Palace of the Silver Princess game in um, Roll20, and I really enjoy the group that I'm playing with over there. This session we encountered some trilodytes. Um I don't know made it up well, we made it all the way up to um the top level of the palace actually got to look outside. it was dark and we looked outside. found an alchemist lair um, we we found a number of statues we we came across some swords that were that were dancing swords or were fighting on their own cord. But all in all I I think the way Shandy Andy's running this old TSR module is really great. Really enjoying it. And I don't have a whole lot more to say other than I'm very happy that I'm able to take part in that campaign. So there you go. Of course I think I just said OSC in every one of the segments but I mean OSR. (laughs) I said OSR and I meant OSC. So yep. Not drunk at all. Barbarians of Lemoria, Mythic Greek Edition. I apologize about slurring my speech. I may have been drinking during the session after the session. But I have a great group of players for this game. No particular order. Arlen Walker of Live from Helms Wasteland. Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue. Shandy Andy of Unguard Treasure B-52. And Derek, who does not have an RPG podcast to my knowledge. So where we're at in the story, they've been tasked by a king to do two labors that Hercules did back during his 12 labors. And Hercules now ascended to godhood, full godhood, and he's going to threaten the city with great disaster if in a year these two labors aren't done. And our heroes have been tasked to do these labors. So we have the four PCs and we have one NPC, Aeolus who was also tasked with this, you know, mission. So off they go. They decide they wanted to, They have to kill the Hydra, and they have to clean the stables. Well, they decided cleaning the stables sound boring, so they're going to go kill the Hydra. They knew that Hercules had Athena's sword, so they decided they wanted magic weapons to go after the Hydra. Where better get magic weapons than Hesphysus himself? So they decided to go and ask Hephaestus for magical weapons. So off to Mount Etna they go, where Hephaestus's forge and weapons, weapons forge is supposed to be, right? So that was the plan. And, sorry, you can probably hear the dogs in the background, they're acting up. Anyhow, they go to Mount Etna in Sicily And they go to an oracle and ask, how do we get weapons from his feasts? And the oracle kind of goes into a trance, and she tells them three clues. She tells them, one, that if they are worthy, equipment will be given to each of them. And that equipment will be found in the labyrinth where the god was thrown from Olympus the second thing she tells him is inside that labyrinth there guardians the only way to defeat the guardians is through sorry the only way to defeat the guardians is to be wise enough to use the labyrinth against the guardians and the third thing was that when they go against the hydra defense is imp- as important as offense that's roughly what i told him i don't remember exactly what i told him i didn't write it down but effectively, they have to go where the god was thrown out from Olympus. And there's a labyrinth there. Um, defense is important as offense against Hydra. And inside the labyrinth, the only way to beat the Guardians, the wise, is to be wise enough to use the labyrinth against the Guardians. Okay. So, initially they were thinking, eh, we'll go to Crete, because there's labyrinth in Crete, a Minotaur and all that. But... Then I reminded him because one of the characters, Sephiron, Derek's character, his favorite god is Hephaestus, and he would have known that the Greek, er, Greek Zeus, hurled his Hephaestus out of Olympus when he defended his mother Hera against Zeus one time, and his Hephaestus was thrown on an island called Leminos. Now Leminos has a remarkable labyrinth. According to Pliny the Elder in his Natural History, you may know Lemnos more likely from the where the um, Jason the Argonauts, because the Argonauts stopped there early on. That story's the Argonauta, and they found only women there. And basically, the women had gotten rid of the men, or the men had all left the women. Either way, but. And then the Argonauts like hooked up with the women and repopulated the island, but that's not important. What's important is there's a labyrinth on Lemnos, and that's where Hepheus was thrown from Olympus. So they went there. They've got a ship that was provided by the king that tasked them to do these labors. So they got there. the captain of the ship says, "Hey, we gotta pull the ship out of the out of the water for five days or so. You guys go do what you got to do." So they got a to sacrifice goat, whatever, they went up to the labyrinth, and Arlen's character, who is Merlea, an Amazonian warrior, she also has a career in Oracle. So she decided to do the Oracle thing, and, you know, they she did her thing, sacrificed the goat, you know, did a little, little mystical rite, and asked to try to have an audience with one of the dead, somebody that died in the labyrinth, kind of like we have in the Odyssey. And the spirit comes up, and speaks to her, and, and they find out that there are traps in the Labyrinth, and that the Guardians of the Labyrinth are tall and have horns, and nothing they did seemed to harm these Guardians. Okay. Now, this was a chance, so Jin, Shandandi's character as a sorcerer, has not shown magic to the other party members yet. Now, Che, using meta-knowledge, told Chandy Andy, hey, bind the spirit and use him as a guide f- for us in the labyrinth. But Chandy Andy declined and decided not to do this. So they let the spirit go. He went back to Hades. And they the next day they went in the labyrinth on their own. I had prepared for them a number of traps. And now I'm going to move and let you, I'm going to move the curtain and let you see behind the GM screen. And I apologize again I'm a little tipsy. Not not so bad anymore, but probably a little annoying. But I'm going to tell you how I ran this little labyrinth. What I did not want to do was have a maze or have them actually navigate and map and worry about left-right turns or any of that. That seemed boring. So I did a mathematical equation that may or may not have worked. But there were five of them. Oh, and the other thing, I I don't know if I said this earlier, but... I told them there'd be a magical gift from the gods for each of the characters in the party. So there'd be five magical gifts in the labyrinth. So I figured Barbarians Lemoria, if basically the, the core mechanic of that game is you roll 2d6, add your stat, add a career or a combat ability, and you're trying to beat a nine, right? So I figured every 12 points of success, they would find a magic item is that's how i figured it and then i had them roll another d6 when so basically one character had to act as a guide and they would roll and then like i say i would add up their successes and every 12 points i give them a magic item and then the other d6 they rolled which is a different color i used that on a chart i had made up that they would find different traps or maybe the minotaur who the guardian's of course of minotaurs the guardians would attack them or different things happen on the tra- on the chart so they ended up finding all the weapons, or all the items. There were two shields, uh, like a super crossbow, which is called a gastrophades. I, I know I'm saying that wrong. A Rumphea, which is a curved two-handed sword. A lambrus, which is a big two-headed axe. And the hoplons, which are two shields. But they are all gifts from the gods. So they end up finding all these things. And then they went through a, couple, a number of these traps. And they they were attacked by Minotaur and they were smart enough to use some of the traps against the Minotaur to kill it. So kudos on them. So the traps, there's a a simple pit trap, um, which they burned up some hero points, saving Aeolus, their NPC, fell in the trap. So they grabbed him and pulled him back. There was a, a, a steel wall or stone wall trap where basically there's a pressure plate in the middle of the floor. And when you step on the pressure plate... This huge wheel, the, the size of the corridor, rolled across the corridor really quickly, left to right, or right to left. And if anybody was standing there, it would have cut them in half or crushed them. And they did, they failed their roll to see it, but they made their agility roll to, to avoid it. And that's the trap when the Minotaur was chasing them, that they, they kind of got it to go across that step on the pressure plate, and it did not avoid it, so the steel wheel crushed the Minotaur. Other traps they faced were, there were two other traps I want to mention. There was a a room that had a, it was like a, I forget how big I said the room was, but it was like 45 feet by 45 feet, and there's a 20-foot diameter hole pit in the center of the room that went 15 feet deep, and the ceiling was 15 feet high. Once they activated the trap, what happened was the ceiling came down, and Two door basically, two walls came down, sealed them in the room, so what they had to do was get in the pit and to so they' have room from being crushed from the ceiling, so the ceiling came all the way down they were in the pit, and then the pit started filling up with sand, and so that to stay on top of the sand what they did, and the sand came from the bottom of the pit, so they stood on their shields to to rise with the sand, which is pretty smart. And then this giant scorpion came up with the sand. And they had to fight this giant scorpion. And the other part I didn't mention is there was a hole near the top of this pit that the scorpion's stinger just fit in perfectly. And they pretty much figured out they had to put they had to cut the stinger off, put it in this in this hole in the wall, and that would reset the trap. So and then but while they were on the shields whenever they attacked the scorpion, they had to roll agility, and if they failed, they fell off the shields. And then either somebody else would have to spend action to pull them back on the shield, or they had to make an agility roll to get back on the shield themselves. So a couple of them took some damage, but they all survived, and and they managed to kill the scorpion and put its stinger in the hole and reset the trap. And um, Sapphiron managed to get two arrows dipped in the scorpion's poison so he has two poisoned arrows which is cool so that was one of the traps it was pretty neat the other trap i did for him was and both these i got off the internet and i'd have to look i don't remember where i saw it but i found it on the internet um, anyways this door that was four foot high by three foot wide and there's a torch above the door and the torch started lit when they walked in the room there's a little one inch diameter hole in the wall in line with the flame of the torch. And the, and the door has a T-handle. Well, when they turn the T-handle, oil comes out of the hole and goes through the fire of the torch. And now you have burning oil splashing on whoever's standing in front of the door. Now, they had already gotten the two magical shields by this point. So they held, held the two magical shields up before they turned the handle. And so the oil kind of came off the off that. They made their agility rolls to jump out of the way of the splashing burning oil. They knocked the torch out of the way, so then it was just oil coming out of the hole. And then when they opened the door, of course, the oil stopped. So they figured that out. So they did pretty good. It was a pretty good session. So where we're at now is they have three magical weapons, two magical shields, and they're ready to go find the Hydra. So I will let you know what happens in two weeks, their next session. Breaking news. Just got to play in a Hackmaster five E demo. So Hackmaster started fourth edition, but it started kind of as a, a parody of D D, third edition, right? And um I don't know if it's third Anyways, parody of D and D. I'd have to go back. I I never played Hackmaster four E. But five E is its own system. It's a serious system. And it's a pretty cool system. It's got a you know, combat happens every one second, kind of like GURPS, but maybe a little better implemented than GURPS. I know I'll get kicked back on that, but I, I really enjoyed the demo that I got to play in. And what I'm gonna do is instead of talking about it here, I'm um, I've talked to the the gentleman that ran that demo, and I'm gonna get him on as a guest, and we're gonna do a Hackmaster special episode. So look for that in the future. But with that, I'm gonna bring the episode to a close. OSC Blackmore again. This is the following session to the Dave Aldridge's game that I talked about earlier. We about a week later, and we have all the same players in it, which is great. As you remember from earlier in the podcast, we ended on a cliffhanger, sending a fireball to where all the eggs containing facehuggers were. So the fireball went off, just vaporized the pool, the healing pool they were in. It vaporized the eggs or destroyed the eggs, charred the room, but the facehuggers were skittering towards us as the smoke cleared. So they sent another fireball in there from the Wanda fireballs the Grand Wizard of Boo had given us, and that destroyed those facehuggers. But we knew we had to still clear out the egg chamber chamber and take out the other ones. And I'm only going to hit the highlights here. Um, like I say, the same people in the party, including Spencer or Free Thrall of Keep Off the Borderland, who it was his birthday, 50th birthday, the game yesterday the day of the game so we're we're moving through the the corridors back towards the egg chamber and we come across two goblins and we're using torches and lanterns and we hear the goblins talking outside the radius of the light so my character who was a thief Elmer was sent forward to converse with him because he was chaotic so he knew chaotic alignment language here I finally get to use chaotic languages in game right so Elmer goes forward, he takes torch with him, and he um, starts talking in chaotic. And there were other chaotic party members, by the way. So he's talking to him, and the, he's maybe 60 feet or 100 feet, 100 I don't know. He's outside the torchlight in front of the party, uh, but not super, super far away. And because he had the torch, they were able to see the goblins he was talking to. And there were two goblins. One had a boomstick, a primitive firearm that Dave has in the game and the other had a spear. So he's talking to him in chaotic and and they're telling him that we have to give him gold and one of the other chaotic party party members tells the rest of the party open fire on him. So they open fire on him and Elmer run drops the torch and runs towards one of the walls for cover. And they take out those two goblins. So Elmer goes back and starts to loot the bodies while well, all of a sudden we hear more goblin voices coming. And these next goblins are like six of them. were were running forward, and they weren't armed, but they were, were flailing their arms wildly. Their eyes were wide. They were foaming at the mouth. They were kind of gibbering. And so we didn't know if they're rabid, if they're infected by these face huggers, if they were what was going on. So we opened fire on them. Well, actually, Elmer, we heard him coming, so he threw the torch forward, so we see him good, and we open fire on them. So he picks up the blunderbuss, fires, and misses. And the other characters open fire. Well, one of the characters was controlled by Juss, who is Spencer's halfling. Well, he's not controlled by Juss. One of the characters is Juss, Spencer's halfling. and is Remember, Spencer's birthday boy. So, and he's got one of these blunderbusses. So he fires and he rolls a natural one, which, because my thief was ahead of the party, that automatically hit him. So, because... Elmer and he had one hit point he went down hard and funny enough while they are taking, so he had a couple more rounds of missile fire where they end up killing all these goblins that were running at him and funny enough a couple other people rolled, there were like four natural ones rolled during that these couple rounds and so they kept peppering the body of Elmer as he's laying there between them and the goblins he kept getting hit by arrows and, and things Um, so one of the other players felt bad for me and they let me use their retainer, Henya, who's a zero level human. And so we equipped her with Elmer stuff and kept going. We, we got to an intersection, go to the egg chamber and found there's a wall of ice between where the egg chamber was and where we were. And as we were messing around, another wall of ice appeared blocking off the chamber we just came out of. And we assumed this is the Grand Wizard of Boo who were on this mission for who, trying to contain the threat. So we kept moving and what we were following drag marks, of, of these halflings and, and all that were attacked. We assumed by the face huggers, but apparently something bigger grabbed one and dragged them away. And we find a dwarven camp that was abandoned and we kept going. We, we encountered some giant centipedes, which we put some flaming oil on the ground in front of us to scare them off managed to kill one of them that one of the characters dipped their sword in there to get poisoned to the centipede, you know, venom to poison their sword with. And, or centipede poison, I don't know what, what, anyway. So, but then we came up and we found, you remember aliens, remember the people stuck to the walls or incubating the aliens? Well, that's what we found. We cut one open, it was a dwarf, and we start to pull him out, and he's like, oh no, it's in me, run, run, kill me. And then we start to kill him he said, no, no, don't kill me. I, I was just kidding. They're, it's okay. Don't do it. But we, we ended up killing him anyway and started spearing the other sacks. And, other, you know, the other bodies that were hanging on the wall, put them out of their misery and killing them. As we're doing this, some of the adult creatures showed up. And these adult creatures start running towards us. And so we set up a line and start firing at them to fight them. And one of them grabs another one of the hirelings. This hireling was a second level thief, and and starts dragging her away, and the whole group starts going away, dragging her with them. So they decide to fireball, use the wand of fireballs, fireball that whole group, which killed the hireling, but it also killed all the adult aliens, which is or adult creatures, um, which is good. We kept moving. We decided we have to get out of here. So eventually, we we found a passageway to a, to what we believe was an exit. But we started hitting these gas pockets, you know, like underground gas pockets. And then some of us started getting lightheaded. We had to do save and throws versus poison. My character and some other characters failed. And so we had a slower movement rate. We kept moving towards the exit. And then we had to do another save and throw. And then some of us passed out, including my character. Well, Dave had a formula that I didn't catch the formula, but he had a formula for how long they had to live. Like, you had to get them out of the gas before they would die. And they—so, long story short, all the PCs were saved, but my character, they couldn't save her in time, and she died. And it wasn't that they grabbed her last or let her die. It was just the numbers. Like, they had, like, one round to save her and five rounds to save somebody else or whatever. And it took a round to come in and a round to go out. And they decided they wanted to tie each other off with ropes so if they passed out, they could pull them out, stuff like that. And it wasn't anything— malicious. I mean, it was, it was the right move the way they did it. And it's okay that that, you know, the henya it was left to die like that. Um, cause, cause I really couldn't save her, to be honest. I, I don't think it was realistic to save her, but, and that's the last part of the session I remember hearing. So at this point I need to give an apology to everybody that's in the session. I was taking care of the dog, our dogs, our three dogs. And I was just muting when I was dealing with the dogs and unmuting when I, when they were calm. And the problem was I kept forgetting to doing that. I was doing that wrong, so they kept hearing the dogs or hearing me talk to the dogs during the session. And so, in the future, of course, I'm going to use push to talk whenever I play these games, and I'm taking care of the dogs by myself. So I apologize to all the players for those interferences, and I will use push to talk in the future. So that that's a bad on me. Of course, I was also drinking; I was pretty heavily in the um, gimlets. I zoned, like, my third gimlet during the game, which shouldn't help. But during this time, my wife gets home, And she was – and and I'm not blaming my wife for this. But due to a a variety of events that I missed, I didn't see how this started. Two of the dogs, Tiger and Gadget, went at each other. Tiger's our new dog. He's a pit bull mix. Um, but they they keyed off and went at each other. Whether my wife had some food, they kind of and, – and they got – you know, they're kind of funny around food, and maybe he thought she he was gonna she was gonna give it to Gadget and he went to get after gadget or whatever, I'm not sure. I, I'm really not sure how it started. But Tiger started growling at Gadget and Maddie runs over and jumps on Tiger. And so T- Maddie and Tiger are going at it. And I'm saying they're going at it. They're barking growling and you know, but there's no blood here. No dogs were hurt at all. No, no, none of the dogs actually bit each other or anything like that but I saw this happening so I went over to help and I pull Maddie away she's holding Tiger and then Maddie get he wiggles loose from me and he goes back in so I go to pull him back out and I manage to put my hand in Tiger get my hand between Maddie and Tiger and put my hand in Tiger's mouth which resulted in three nice puncture wounds and a lot of blood so we got them separated I'm holding a little bit of pressure in my hand go over get under the sink, call my son, bring a chair over, I sit at the sink, I'm rinsing my hand out, off, you know, and next thing I know, my wife and my son are hollering at me, because I had passed out for like 10 seconds, I guess my eyes roll back in my head, and I, I don't know, I, I wasn't aware of this, because I was passed out, so, but, but I guess I went diaphoretic, and, um, anyway, so this scared my wife enough to call Nine one one, and the MTS came out and checked me out, which I was fine by the time they got there. Of course, um, I think it was a combination of a long day, not not being hydrated well, drinking a fair bit, and um, blood loss. But who knows? Um, but I'm fine now. I've got my hand, right. My right hand is all bandaged up. I can't use it right now because you know the they're punctures, so we don't want to. And and one of them is pretty deep, and and we didn't want to do stitches or anything because potential infection, Um, but, you know, so anyway, um, no dogs were hurt, the dog, so in Tiger's defense, at no point did he try to attack me, he's never shown aggression towards a human, I pretty much ended up putting my hand in his mouth while we were pulling him apart, (laughs) but this wasn't a fact of a dog attacking a human, or attacking me, or. he's never shown aggression towards a human, this was pulling apart two fighting dogs, which, you know, what, what are you going to do? Not, not put your hand in the mouth while you do it. That's what you're going to do, I hope. But So that's what's going on. So I missed the very end of Dave's game. I'm not sure exactly how it ended, but I'm very happy they let me play with them. I had a great time, and I um, will definitely use Push Talk in the future, guys. I'm very sorry about the all the noise. I was going to play another game last night with Eric Salsweedle and Carl Rodriguez and a bunch of those guys, but I – Bowed out because the you know all the turmoil that, ju- that just happened. And I'm supposed to was going to play in Chandy Andy's OSC game again today, but I'm probably going to bow out of that. My hand's pretty sore, it's all bandaged up, and we've got some other things probably need to do around the house. Um, so I'm probably not going to make that game, unfortunately. So, what I'm doing to kind of make it up myself is I do things and feel sorry for myself, is I decided to go and rewatch William Lustig's Maniac Cop, and I'll probably watch the trilogy. So if you haven't seen these movies, the Maniac Cop, so William Lustig, of course, you know, to me, his, you know, his best movie, of course, is Maniac, with, um, of course, everybody knows Carolyn Monroe, but also has Joe Spinelli as the Maniac in there, and, Tiger, quit that, Tiger, but, it. Great movie. Um, Maniac's not for the faint of heart. It's violent and obviously it has violence towards women and whatnot. Um but it's a very well very, very well done movie. Highly recommended. I'm sure those psychologists out in the audience will will shake their heads at some of the things in there where, you know. But but Maniac is a, a classic. Um and so he went on to do Maniac Cop and it's a trilogy. You know, the first one's got Tom Atkins, wonderful Tom Atkins, you know, with his mustaches in there. Does great. And, of course, Bruce Campbell's in these, which is wonderful. Um, And and they're not great movies, but what Maniac Cop movies do, just like Maniac does, is it shows that New York that's no longer there. You know, that dirty, crime-ridden city in New York that I love, that would be the the place I would set, you know, if I was going to set a game... You know, in the 70s, early 80s would be in that New York, you know, you said it in that New York, that, that dirty crime-ridden city. That You know, it's great. So, As far as the setting, it's great, you know. that The movie New York, the New York that probably never really ex- existed, at least not the way they show it in the movies. I'm sure you didn't have the, because even back in these movies, you have these ethnically um, integrated gangs, you, you know, and stuff like, think of like the Warriors, right? Um, the Warriors also falls in that same New York that I'm talking about. So, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Anyway, but I'm okay, and the dogs are okay. Tiger's, because he's a pit bull, well, not because he's a pit bull, because he's a dog, a bit of human. Of course, since EMS came, we had to, you know, it got reported to animal control. So he's being quarantined for 10 days. Make sure he doesn't have rabies, which he doesn't. Um, so we... But they're letting us quarantine him here at the house. So basically, even when we take him in our fence and backyard, we have to have him on a leash and we have to keep him separated out. And um, yeah. And that's good because I don't want to get rabies shots. Um, I know he doesn't have rabies, but rabies, sh- although it's not as bad as it used to be. So when we were in Panama, this is back in the early 90s, is not is after the invasion, but we used to go down Panama for jungle training, Fort Sherman. And we had guys get bit by vampire bats. On both trips, we went down there. we Two two different years, we had guys get bit by vampire bats out, out in the jungle. And they had to get rabies shots. And that was back, they did the, the series of, of shots in your stomach. They did, like, the circle of shots in your stomach. And, yeah, my understanding is that was very excru- excruciating, very painful. But, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I do need to call the doctor here in, in a minute and let them know their office is going to open shortly and see if they want to put me on an antibiotic because this one puncture is pretty deep. And because I have the dog mouth, you know, just to make sure I don't get an infection. But, yeah. So, that's what's going on with me and games that I played this week. So, I think I'm going to leave you with an unboxing and call it call quits for the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any comments, questions, complaints, you want to yell at me for something or berate me for something, you can leave me a message on Anchor. You can... Send an email to nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com. Either email message, I'll read out, or you can send a voicemail to it. You know, attach an audio file, and I'll play that in the show. You can find me on the discords, um, and I will be back next time. So I will play you out with the unboxing. Take care. I'm here at the post office, sorry about the road noise, and I have a tabletop game booklet that came in a box. And it came from England, came from um, Leicestershire, as a matter of fact. So let's find out what this is. Very exciting. Um, It may be something, I'm thinking, there's one thing I really hope it is, and it could be something totally different because I don't remember what I've ordered from England. So it could be, you know, it could be exciting. So let's see what we have in here. Um, If we can get this little box open. Oh, it is not what I thought it was. So there you go. So this is my copy of the Black Hat Classic Monsters. And it does have a card in there, just like Dave Aldrich of the Percentile um, Discord and blog on Hiatus did. So the cards, I've got... um, These are like, for the conditions, hindrances, panic, poison, out of action... They're like um, cheat sheet cards, almost like a little gem screen kind of thing, right? Powerful foes, ongoing damage, armor, so that's kind of cool. And there's also a square hex card in here. Purveyors, uh, oh, this is, a re- this is just a business card for somebody, which is okay. And then we're going to look at this book here. Um, we will see... Ooh, it's a first printing. Only a thousand copies of this printing are made. Look at that. So, as with a PDF, unfortunately, we don't have. I was going to say there's no art, but there is a little bit of art in here, right? So, like, I'm on page 34. The mushroom man has art. The under mauler, who looks suspiciously like a um, a am um, yeah, brain farting what he looks like. He's based on a d and character, or D&D monster. Umber Hulk. Looks just like an Umber Hulk. A Yohara, which is like a Snake Man. Kind of cool. So there is art in here. I was going to say there's no art, but there's not a lot of art. Um, for the most part, they're pretty simple, so I'll read you. Oh, here, let's do an Etten. Etten's are neat, character, neat creatures. It's ten hit dice. You use a club, which is strength. 2 close 10 damage Alert At least one of the Etten's heads Will be awake at all times Making it very difficult To catch them unawares Dex tests At the start of combat A roll with disadvantage So that's the Etten I'll read you the Elf as well Because You know Those evil Elves Are difficult foes Elf is a one hit die creature Sword Strength 1 close 3 damage Longbow Dex 1 far away 3 damage Fleet footed an elf can move from far away to close in a single turn. Leaders, larger groups may have a leader, hit die six, seven damage, and or one one or more sub-leaders, hit die four or five damage. So there you go. If you're wondering, an elephant is nine hit die, tusks do ten damage, trample does twelve damage, and once trampled, you take ongoing damage until you make a successful dex test. But it's got a lot of creatures, 240 over 240 creatures in here. And, um... Oh, it's got dinosaur section. I forgot about that. So, any book with dinosaurs is good on... You know, was good for me. Unfortunately, dinosaurs are only one page, but... It's the Black Hack. How many pages... How many different kinds of dinosaurs do you really need in the Black Hack? So, cool stuff. It's not the Kickstarter project I wanted to come today. That I was hoping would come today. Um... But I won't say who's that, who that's from because I don't want to embarrass that other person over in England whose Kickstarter project I hope was going to arrive soon. Um, but anyhow, I thought I'd do a quick un- unboxing for you, and there you go.